sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I took last Saturday off. I feel like I cheated a little bit. So I am back. I'm live in the studio, and I can't wait to talk to you. I missed taking calls last Saturday. So call in 404-872-0750. I'm here with you on Green and Growing for the next two hours. We're here until 9 o'clock. And part of this hour, I have Christy Bryant with me. She is um, the owner of Speaking for the Trees, the first female president of the Georgia Arborist Association. And you've heard her on the show before. If you remember, um, last year I presented some awards for the Georgia Arborist Association virtually with the award ceremony being on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever that was. And you didn't know it, Christy, but you were 2020 Arborist of the Year. Yes, they tricked me. Um, I'm the president, and I was part of the nominations committee. So I guess they got me off the phone and changed the awards up and completely surprised me. They couldn't see me. Think I'm really glad it was virtual because I kind of lost it. Yeah, so. talking behind your back, but for good reason. That was a cool surprise they pulled off for sure. So it is good to have you back on the show, Christy. I'm glad you're here. And congratulations. You've got Thank your you. two-year anniversary coming up of being a small business owner. How is that going? That it's it, it's honestly it couldn't be better. It's uh it, it's a scary thing to undertake it. I left the family that I had established for five years with Gunnison and went out on my own, and uh, it's been wonderful. It couldn't be better. And thanks to, to all of you. Last time I was on your show, I probably got like fifteen, um, about fifteen at. Um, consults from it so thanks and people speak so highly of you too let me tell you they love you i'm so glad to hear that because i had some big shoes to fill you know walter reeve sat here for like 26 years and hosted this show and so changed it up a little bit you know revamped it because i can't i can't speak intelligently for three hours taking calls because i don't know all the answers but i think it's so cool how things work out and i have friends like you christy that you know, come on the show and assist me and, and help me answer some questions. And we've got all the resources, too, through the Georgia Forestry Commission and GeorgiaArborist.org, you know, where people can find some of this info out themselves. But you and I kind of texting in the last hour, you were listening to the show early, um, and you heard Andrew. You heard Andrew with the question that he has his parents' ashes and was looking to kind of incorporate those into the the new planting of an oak tree, Right in memory of his parents. And I kind of threw it out there like, you know, I don't want to steer you wrong. I don't think it's going to have much of an impact, but someone out there is going to know the answer. And sure enough, you're like, yep, I'll talk to you in 10 minutes. I, I got info on that. So what would you tell Andrew? You know, I I didn't want to get bogged down in the weeds, Christy, of like the scientific composition of, you know, we use wood ash for, for some things in the in the landscape, but doing that in memory of somebody with their ashes, what do you say? Well, it's just so hard to change the soil. Um, so, you know, it's it's more of a symbolic gesture. The tree isn't going to care if they're there or not. Um, can't hurt, um, but it's more symbolic. So do it. Go ahead and do it. My only advice would be my dad's memorial tree is planted at Oakland Cemetery because I've done a lot of tree work in my life. And I know how um, upset people get when their neighbor takes down their dad's memorial tree or they sell the house and the next owner takes it down. So I would mm. say, 
find a park, find somewhere that you feel like and get permission that you feel like would be a permanent place if you don't think you're going to be in your house forever. That would be my only real big piece of advice. Yeah, it's tough to move, you know, a large, large tree once it becomes fully grown and established and all of that. So I like that Andrew was thinking about an oak tree, but, you know, there could be some other ones, maybe like maples or dogwoods that could be a little easier to transplant later on. But hey, if you're staying put, then then I think that's an awesome gesture. I think that's great. So let's talk about tree health, Christy. I think, thank goodness, we've made it through you know, the, the beginning of the spring here without any major, major storms. My gosh, driving down to uh, Florida this past week, I still saw the devocate, uh, devastation. What was that from Hurricane? Was it Michael back in 2018 that hit the Gulf Coast and the Panhandle so terribly? But um, here we haven't really had too many tornadoes or anything like that. Coweta County got hit over a month ago. Um, but what are you seeing as far as like tree health and any storm-related damage, or are you just kind of doing run-of-the-mill consults? It's really just run-of-the-mill consults right now. Um, you know, there's always risk assessments. People are noticing, oh, the bark is calling, coming off the side of my tree. Can you come help me? That kind of thing. Um, it's funny. I think one reason it's so busy right now for everybody is people have been home for the last year, and they're getting to know their trees intimately. So for the first time this spring, since 2020, people have had a full cycle really paying attention to their yard right outside their window. And so they're noticing that it's waking up differently this year than last year, and they're calling arborists going, hey, something's just not right, which is key to tree health is knowing what the species look like looks like when it's normal, knowing what a healthy tree looks like, and then it's a lot easier to identify disease or insects or pests or problems with the tree. Absolutely. So you mentioned, you know, bark that may have been taken off by some creature or bird, or is it possible that the tree, in some cases, sheds bark as a sign to you that something is wrong? Does that happen? Yeah, in the case I saw this week, um, it was a huge, old 42-inch southern red oak, and the bark was falling off because the entire side of the tree was decayed. So the, the the bark actually hid the decay for for a long time. She didn't notice it, and then, bam, the bark fell off, and all of a sudden, carpenter ants are spilling out, and, uh, you know, we quick, very quickly recognized the decay. Yeah, no coming back from that. Now, what about if you do have decay or something that's bored into a tree, and now there's a cavity? We do have folks call every now and then. There are products on the market where you can seal up a tree or you can put this, that, or the other in a cavity and kind of hope for the best. But what's your advice on that, if that's the case? So um, it depends on a lot of different factors. My real advice is get in touch with an arborist, but it cracks me up like when I'm like driving through a neighborhood or whatever, and I look over and there's a big cavity in the tree and somebody's like, oh, I'm going to plant a flower in it. And I'm ah. like, okay, that is not what tree cavities are for. <laughs> Appreciate it. Like I like that, that you're an opportunity taker, but um, yeah, that's not, you know, because we need to, A, even if we can let the tree stand, we still have to keep an eye on that decay and monitor it if the tree has a target. If a tree doesn't have a target, if there's nothing it can hit, it's an experiment for me. Let's watch it and see how long that tree will stand with the decay, right? Yeah. But, I mean, like, if you just have maybe in the crotch of a limb or something like that, almost like a tar-like product, you know, that's on the market to seal things over, is that more harmful than than beneficial, or does it just depend on the size? Well, the old root prune seal that you can buy over the counter um, is a bad idea. 
trees are more water um, than they are anything else. Really, they're what, 70% water. So you're sealing, you're not really protecting the tree. The tree is really good at compartmentalization. Um, that's how they defend themselves for wo- from wounds. So it, it messes with that, um, those, those hormones, and it messes with everything. And it's just, it traps in the moisture. And it's, some people think it causes more decay than it keeps out, um, you know. So it's just not, it's the best idea is to let nature do nature for the most part. We can help her along with tools, growth regulators. You know, we can do treatments, we can do fertilization injections, we can help them out with mycorrhizae, that kind of thing. But really, for the most part, my biggest mantra is look at the forest and look at how the forest is taking care of her trees. Nobody goes into the forest and blows away their leaves. Nobody grows grass in the forest. Let's <laughs> let's if we're talking about trees, let's imitate nature as much as possible. Yeah. And if it is something that does look dangerous or a threat or something that you really want to get checked out, that's why we have you. That's why we have Christy and all of the ISA certified arborists to kind of check that out and give you the best advice. Um, Christy, I'm speaking with Christy Bryant, owner of Speaking for the Trees. Christy, talk about that certification and what that means. Like if we're shopping around and we go on georgiaarborist.org, ISA certified, what does that mean to me, a homeowner? So that means to even take the ISA test, you have to prove three years in the industry or have a four-year degree before you can even take the test to become a certified arborist. It's a little confusing in the tree business. Anybody that is associated with trees can be an arborist, can call themselves an arborist. So your tree climber can call himself an arborist when he doesn't even know how trees grow. But a certified arborist means that we have taken a test, we have proven a certain level of competency, and we've proven that we have time in the industry, and we have a code of ethics. ISA certified arborists have a code of ethics. Also, we have a lot of CEUs that we have to keep up mm-hmm. with, 10 a year, 30 every three years. So um, it, we are constantly having to stay up to date. What we know about trees, we've only known since Alex Shigo in the 80s. So, you know, there's a lot to learn, and there's re- new research every day that's proving theories that we used five years ago. So, you know, my thing, that's my biggest thing, is a certified arborist has to keep up and has to know the newest information. Yeah, and honestly, some of the uh, webinars and online courses that are offered virtually, I've participated in a lot of those, and it's not just because I host a radio program. Anybody could, you know. I mean, there's all these great programs offered through the university systems and all of that kind of thing. So I can take some of the same courses as you. I don't need the CEU credits, but just take them to kind of further my knowledge. But one of my favorites, Christy, that I've kind of been hooked on for the last five or six months um, is through Auburn. And they've been doing some great webinars, um, raising trees. And every couple weeks they have different topics and things like that. And like I said, I feel privileged that I'm alongside folks like you who are actually doing those courses for credit. But I'm fascinated learning those things. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Another good website is Dr. Ed Gelman out of University of Florida. He has written the principles of pruning. He has gotten all these grants to go in nurseries and prune trees and put wind machines on them at 100 miles an hour and see how trees would, you know. Anyway, so all of that's available, too, on the University of uh, Florida's Dr. Gelman's website. Um, I mean, it's just fascinating stuff. I mean, I've been in his classes and watched him 
prune these trees. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're breaking all the rules. You're breaking all the rules. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Um, but it's fun. And we all learn a lot from that. So yeah, I mean, gosh, all those classes are a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I love trees. So it's kind of like, I mean, I get to do my passion for a living every day. So I still get excited about tree classes. Yeah, I kind of geek out over some of it, too. The University of Georgia's got some great stuff, and this is the Alabama Cooperative Extension that I was talking about through Auburn, the Raising Trees seminars, cool stuff. Well, I want Christy to have a chance to answer some of your tree questions. Someone a little while ago had a great question about a pecan tree, and they dropped off. So call in, any of you, 404-872-0750. Talk to Christy coming up. We're going to be telling you the three things to get done in the landscape this weekend. So stay tuned. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. If you're just waking up and joining us, good morning. It's going to be a nice day, but uh, we do have a light shower possible. According to Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz, cloudy high of 67 today, but tomorrow and Monday, mostly sunny skies, highs in the low 70s. So uh, the complete weather forecast coming up in less than 10 minutes. That update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Green and growing. Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. This is one of my favorite parts of the show, just kind of a quick and dirty, keeping gardening easy for you. So I've got my guest and my friend, Christy Bryant, speaking for the trees with us, and she's going to help answer some questions and loves trees, loves talking about trees and helping all of you. So first, my number one would be we're out of the woods for any more frosts, and you heard uh, Ted earlier call in, was so happy about his elephant ears, they made it, but you can plant those now, plant elephant ears or gladiolas, caladiums, dahlias, anything like that. They're going to be doing just fine. And we'll be talking about vegetable gardening, too, and whether or not it's safe to plant those things coming up in an hour with Pike Nursery. Uh, Number two, you can also plant Easter lilies outdoors. Just remove the faded blooms and amaryllis that may have bloomed at Christmas, and now you're just looking at the greenery on those. Plant those bulbs outside, too. I would leave the greenery, the foliage on, stake them up if need be, but they're going to love the energy they're getting from the sunshine and being outside this summer. And, Christy, what would you say the number three thing to at least try to get done this weekend would be? Um, Get some mulch. Put down a fresh layer of mulch that's going to do so much. It's uh, it's going to keep down the weed. It's great for weed suppression. It's great for going into these dry times and kind of helping hold the mulch in. Um, and it's good insulation for the trees and the and the plants. And how many layers do we need for it to be beneficial? Or uh, how many inches I'm gonna, thick? I'm going to say uh, two to four inches, depending on where you are and what you're doing. Uh, annuals are going to need less mulch than, you know, your tree areas. Yeah. And as far as aesthetics or whatever your um, preference is, you can use pine bark nuggets, you can use mulch, you can use uh, pine straw, anything like that is going to be efficient. Well, Christy, you hang on the line because I've got Marcus in Snellville, a question about a weed. We're going to help him identify. And Cindy in Powder Springs, a question about a dogwood tree. And I know Christy's going to have the answer. 404 404- 8720750 is the number to call green and growing and uh, we'll answer your questions in the next half hour here on WSB.
Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Well, isn't that just a fun medley of songs that really gets you going on a Saturday morning? It, it does me. I chose all of those songs to be the uh, the music for my show. So we're halfway through. We're halfway through Green and Growing. I'm really glad you're with us this Saturday morning. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. I'm joined by Christy Bryant of Speaking for the Trees, and we're answering some questions, too. And I'm ready to dive right in because y'all have some great calls, great questions. So Marcus in Snellville has been super patient holding on and has a question about a weed. Good morning, Marcus. What you got? Yes, uh, I was calling about this type of weed, two of them, and also about spraying my uh, fruit trees as far as apple and uh, peach trees. But the weed is this. It's a bushy type of weed that has a thistle like thorn that grows when it gets a little dry and it gets kind of mature. And if you step on it barefoot, it it's very prickly and it hurts. Ah. And the other weed is another one that grows up with a straight tubular and it tends to wrap around trees. And whenever you dig the actual uh, weed up, it has a bulb on it and it could be as small as like a golf ball. Or it could be as big as a baseball or bigger, and oh, it kind of looks like a tulip bulb. It's whitish color. And I'm wondering, how do you kill that type of weed that's up under the ground or that vine type? Because it grows up like a straight stalk, and then it starts wrapping around things. Yeah. Okay, so I'll tackle your first one. As soon as you told the phone screener, Walter used to call it a hell weed, I knew that you were that's probably... It. That's it. <laughs> I know you were probably calling about burrweed. So burrweed is very common right now. A lot of folks can kind of apply a post-emergent herbicide, like a spray to it, um, in December, January, February. And at this point, it's fully grown. It's got those burrs on it that hurt your feet. So control's not impossible at this time. But the good news is once temperatures get a little warmer, in a month or maybe two, Marcus, it will die out. It doesn't tolerate uh, the warm heat. So that's good news for burrweed. But for the time being, yeah, you don't want to pull it because it hurts. Um, so when you use some broadleaf weed killer, um, any kind of broadleaf herbicide is probably going to help tackle that. So one of the ingredients that I can think of, an active ingredient in a broadleaf herbicide, would be like Trimec, T-R-I-M-E-C. If that's on the label, um, that's going to be pretty good for it. Scott's has a brand. Um, I know Pike Nurseries has their own private label brand of of a herbicide that's going to help combat that and christy since you work around trees what do you think about the vining one that sometimes wraps around trees and may have like a bulbous kind of root i can't think of anything um what's the leaf look like marcus okay it's kind of like a um, glossy leaf like um kind of um straight and everything I could probably figure all a picture of it because I dig them up and everything like that. And every time I dig it up, it always has a little bulb on it, and they mm-hmm. come up with a straight little tube you like, and then it all of a sudden starts wrapping around trees. It tends to congregate around trees a lot. Okay. And it, and it's like you're able to just pull it right off? No. A lot of times I have to dig a, probably about an inch or two up under the ground, and then I see the big bulb that sits down there. Oh, that, darned. Yeah, I'm curious what that is. Um, if I put you on hold, Marcus, and give you over to John, and he screened your call a little while ago, um, he's going to give you my email address. John will give you my email address. I want a picture or two of that weed, um, and I'm going to share it with Christy. And 
Because, Christy, I mean, I'm sitting here, of course, thinking like poison ivy is starting to leaf out. Yeah, I was thinking maybe wisteria. But, I I mean, honestly, I've never dug up any of the vines to see if they grow from. uh, Yeah, I'm curious because I thought they all went from rhizomes. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and that's very observant that Mark has kind of noticed what's going on underneath the ground. Um, But I'm glad he asked that because some folks do have. Uh, English ivy or just any kind of ivy that's so annoying growing up the trees. I'm sure you see that a lot. Tell us about the effects of that on the trees that you see. So it's just really, really bad. English ivy is something that just needs to be taken from the universe. It's just awful. Um, But yeah, so, you know, I have these conversations all the time. I got a call this week. Hey, my tree is covered in vines. I need you to come check it out. And I'm like, you need to kill the vines. Then I'll come check out your tree because it obscures the trunk. And which is, you know, when you have a tree assessment, that's I'm looking to see the condition of the trunk and I can't see it. Also, it holds in moisture and it's weight that the tree doesn't know is there and sometimes can make a healthy tree fall just because of the weight of the vines or the ivy on it. Wisteria is bad if it's not controlled. Um, you know, vines can be very, very bad for trees. And like you said, with it, it kind of competes like for the moisture. Like you said, I mean, it's it's competition that that will over time weaken the tree. Yeah, it's just oh. a bad idea. So it's what do we need to idea. do before we call an arborist and kind of have you come look at the tree health? I mean, is it enough to just cut the ivy around the base and let it die, you know, from the ground up? Or do we really want to try as best we can to remove those vines from the tree first? No, don't worry about removing the vines. Um, just make sure, disconnect the root from the shoot, um, and you'll have to continue doing it. I tell, people, I tell my clients to set just put it on the calendar to go control your ivy twice a year mm-hmm. and then just go out there and pull it and cut it. If it's already there, what you need to do is you cut it at the ground and then you cut it six inches up the tree trunk very carefully, not hurting the bark of the tree. And then you just pull out that six inch section. Oh. And then that that's, that's, you know, the root needs to shoot, the shoot needs the root. So if you can disconnect them from each other, you know, the top will die. Ah, that's good advice. So that six-inch little place where we're going to try to peel it off. Yeah, I like that. so that, that way you don't have to worry about it. Once it's dead, I don't care. And once it's dead enough, I can see it. You yeah. know, I can see the trunk. That is, and, and I've got it. It's on the side of my yard, and I really did like three or four days back-to-back where I was in there trying to pull it out of the rhododendrons and you know, it had gone up some oaks and some dogwoods and things like that. That's backbreaking work. So folks, have a heating pad ready. Have maybe a cold beer ready. Uh, take some Advil <laughs> before you start doing that. It's a lot of work, but it's it's needs to get done, and it's quite beneficial to the plants around it. I'm sure that they would really appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, and now's the time to kill it chemically. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, when English ivy has those young, tender, light green leaves, is the time that they you can actually kill it with a systemic insect, I mean, systemic herbicide. So, um, you know, right now, go out, get your Roundup. I know, I know it's horrible, but this is one time I will let you use and encourage the use of herbicides is please go kill English ivy. Now's the time. Yeah, so spray Roundup on the, like the leaf surface really is how that's going to absorb the Roundup or the glyphosate, right? Yeah, exactly. Those young, tender, light green leaves, it just rolls right off the older leaves. Okay. And right now is when it's growing. So we want to get those tender young leaves. Ah, 
Get to it, guys, for sure. All right, so I'm curious about this question. Cindy in Powder Springs calling about a dog with is about 20 years old. And Cindy, good morning. What's going on with it? Hey, um, I appreciate the help. Yeah. So the last two years, it has developed like dead limbs or dead branches. It starts at the, the ends and goes in, and it's from top to bottom. It, and I hate to lose it. It's been gorgeous. Um, and this year, it, it's got a lot more dead on it than uh, it did last year. And this started a couple of years ago when we had that early snow before all the leaves dropped, and it broke the very top of it off. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I can't get anybody to come out and and tell me why it's dying back. I hate to lose it. Any suggestions? Yeah, so it could be a couple of different things. Um, our native dogwoods are very susceptible to dogwood anthracnose disease, and you can it's easily Googleable. And um, you know, unfortunately, it's too late to treat it this year because dogwood anthracnose is a fungal disease and it spreads by spores. And all you know, there just aren't very many effective. There are in fact no really effective systemic fungicides. So our option is to spray it, but the goal of spraying is to suppress the reproductive spores. So we have to spray at right before the buds open, right, and then every three weeks after. Like I just did a last spray on one yesterday because they're just it's too late now um, to get good suppression of those <laughs> spores. But also it could also be what we call tip dieback, which is actually it's an indication in the plant that the tree is losing roots so if the tree is in a wet area dogwood trees just don't do well with wet feet so if it's in a real wet area if something you know five years ago changed in the dynamics of the yard if somebody built next door and now all of a sudden that dogwood's getting water it hasn't gotten before um so i would say you know look conditionally we always look we always look to what's changed you know you said the top came out in the storm um, that could have been enough that it just lost a lot, enough of the leaf surface that it couldn't really support itself, and this is just a continual decline from that injury. Um, but those are some guesses. And Cindy doesn't want to lose the tree, but Christy, at what point do we just cut our losses? Like when folks are watching these things happen over time, when does the tree get to a point where you just have to, you know it's not going to rebound, you got to take it out? Well, with the dogwood, I just tell people to let it die until it's gone. Um, and, you know, but in the meantime, replace it. And when you replace it, replace it with a cultivar that says on the plant label that it is um, resistant to dogwood anthracnose. There are some pretty good, um, like, um, cultivars out there that are really resistant to it. So I would go with one of those for sure. Okay. And then what is the typical lifespan of a dogwood? I've always been told that they're not going to last that long anyways, but is 20 years a good run for one? If one's planted in the right place, it's, I mean, I've seen old, old dogwoods, old dogwoods planted, you know, in the 50s and 60s in these Atlanta, old Atlanta neighborhoods. These ones that are planted out in the sun, they're just not, you know, maybe 10 years, maybe 20, just because they're just fighting off, they're not supposed to be there, so Mm -hmm. they're kind of starting life behind the eight ball. They're just not... (laughs) going to produce well. They're not going to be a good tree. 
that yeah, right tree, right place. Absolutely, we got to do our research before we just throw them in the ground. Well, um, Charles in Locust Grove is up next with a question about a tree that is sick. We've, we're thinking it's a yellow fig. So hang on the line, Charles. You're going to be up first, but we got to step out and check traffic and weather, and we'll be back with Christy Bryant and your questions right here on WSB. <laughs> So many ways to listen to the show live. Yeah, you found us because you're right here. But when you go back later on WSBRadio.com and click on On Demand, find Green and Growing there, and you can listen back to each hour if you maybe missed something or wanted to listen to something again, and also listen to it like as a podcast on uh, Spotify and Google Play. I think that's so cool that uh, this show is kind of just all over the place. So the weather update for the weekend, so you can plan ahead, brought to you by Finley Roofing. Cloudy today, a light shower possible, but more dry than wet. High of around 67, low 49. And tomorrow and Monday are very similar in that they're mostly sunny. Highs in the low to mid 70s. So your complete weather update comes up in 10 minutes. I've got Christy Bryant on the line with me. We've got some great tree questions for her. One more. The last one is Charles in Locust Grove. Good morning, Charles. Hey, good morning. Uh, real quick, uh, I have a fig tree. My neighbor says it's called a yellow fig tree. I just bought the house. Okay. Uh, it was super green. Oh, no. Charles, your phone's cutting in and out. What's the symptom of the fig tree? What's it doing? Oh, Christy, we're not going to be able to answer him, are we? Well, no, we're not. <laughs> but I will say if it's a real fig tree, and I haven't heard of a yellow uh, fig tree, but if it's a real fig tree, it could be frost burned mm. um, because they don't like the cold. In fact, remember like 2014 when it got like super, yes. super cold? Maybe it got down to like 10 degrees that winter. Yeah. A lot of fig trees and palm trees died because of it. But the good news is with the fig tree is they can completely die and they come back from the roots. So you'll have a new tree within a couple of years oh, regardless that's cool. of what's happening. But okay. I would give it a chance to put out new leaves just on the off chance it's that frost burn. Now, what would be a symptom of the frost burn? It's showing on the tips of the leaves or is there anything on the branches? What are we looking at? Yeah, the, the oldest leaves are going to be tipped in brown. They're, they're just like it, like somebody just kind of burn them with a lighter. Mm-hmm. It's just frost burn. Um, and they'll adapt and they'll be fine. I mean, fig trees, you just almost can't kill one because their roots are so strong. And are they prone to any insect infestations or not really? No, they're really not. They're pretty, pretty, they're pretty resilient trees. They're really pretty, too. And for whatever reason, my dogs really, really love the leaves. <laughs> they, they love they, to eat them. Do they like they the figs, graze. too? <laughs> Uh, well, luckily, even even though I, too, have a Dane, he's not quite tall enough to reach the fruit, but he probably would. It's Carson, right? Yep, he Carson. And, he and Shadow need to meet because she saw they greyhounds do. this weekend and, like, they were somewhat large, you know, 70, 80 pounds, and she didn't know what to do with the greyhounds. But if she saw another Great Dane, she would lose her mind. She would love it. I know. It's so fun. <laughs> well, Christy, we've had fun this hour, and I want folks to be able yeah. to reach out to you, you know, with some questions later on or uh, any business they may want with you. So how would folks find you? So I've got a cool website at www.speakingfortrees.com, and then they can always call me, 770-823-5374. 
Call me during the week. We're about to celebrate my son's 28th birthday. I don't know how that's possible today. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so please give me a call. I love to talk about trees. I love to educate people. Um, I love to speak for the trees. Well, happy birthday to your son. Y'all are going to have a nice celebration this weekend. And thank you for taking time out of your morning, getting up early. You were with us for an hour. It was a fun hour, and you really helped a lot of folks. So, Christy Bryant, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Happy Saturday. You too. And we'll be in touch with you for sure, Christy. And in the meantime, too, georgiaarborist.org is where folks that are certified like Christy all of their contact information. She's the current president of the GAA. So some good information there. And my friends at Chop My Tree as well. You can reach out to chopmytree.com. They do tree removal, tree trimming, tree pruning, storm cleanup, and the like. So a community of great, really well-versed, well-educated folks. I love having Christy as a resource here on the show. More of your calls coming up in less than 10 minutes. You got to stay tuned. 404-872-0750. It's green and growing right here on WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.